Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the second hour is here. Thursday edition, Hot My With Utton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up, we've got one big thing on every NFL game. Plus, in 20 minutes, our Mondo Salguero will be with us. Discuss tonight's Thursday Night Football matchup. Plus, some good matchups in Week 16 over the Christmas holiday. You have 11-4 and four against 11-4. and four. Uh, Or, excuse me, 11-3. and three. You've got 10-4. Uh, and four. Against 10 and 4 this week. Plus, the best game referencing those records is Baltimore and San Francisco coming up for. Uh, that's an uh, awesome matchup. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome. Best in the AFC versus best in the NFC right now, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, it could, could determine the NFL MVP award. Tom Brady said it should, should go to Christian McCaffrey. Jerry Rice was asked about it, and he said both when asked about Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey. I wish he would have jumped on board pick, with McCaffrey. Pick a side. You gotta pick I, a side. I would love to see a non-quarterback win it. Like Derrick Henry rushes for 2,000 yards. No chance. No chance. Meanwhile, you've got players that catch fire at the right time, get hot, and they jump into the mix. A month ago, a month and a half ago, Chad, everyone's writing off Brock Purdy. Now he's... The favorite to win NFL now he's, MVP. Uh, the, the Vegas favorite to win MVP. And yep. the consistent force in all of it was McCaffrey. I'm not against Purdy winning it, but Lamar Jackson certainly can. The strong finish. They've got a tough schedule to finish out, and that could be the deciding factor if he wins his second MVP award. Won't be unanimous this time. I, I think people will be very pissed if Christian McCaffrey wins the MVP. Fans? I think people in media are going to get very pissed at a white running back winning it when every year There's, it's a quarterback that wins it. Well, oh, pissed because it's not a, not a quarterback. Did Derrick Henry win MVP? No, that's what I just said. Yeah, that, that's my point. No, I'm, saying, I, I'm saying people are going to get mad if he wins it and it's not, it, if it's a non-quarterback and the year that it's the non-quarterback, it's the white running back, the only one in the league, I think people will get mad. The only one on our team. I don't that, care. I'm the, just telling you, people are going to get mad about it. The only player that's mentioned uh, against Rashard Mendenhall's claim that his all black team would just pummel the all white team. Yeah, he's the only one. We got Christian McCaffrey. He's like, the only uh, one. And I, I, earlier this week, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, can he play corner or, you know, possibly? He's going to play both ways. Yeah. We'll get into that with Albert Hainsworth coming up. Yeah, Albert will join us in studio coming up in an hour. It's going to be a lot of fun. Plus, uh, Ryan Leaf a bit later in today's show. Uh, Chad, the, the Steelers are a mess. An absolute mess. Turmoil behind the scenes. Players where uh, Jalen Warren said that he would block for George Pickens. Bravo, Jalen Warren. Uh, because he could potentially score in the first quarter for the Steelers on that run uh, where Pickens is just standing around, not doing anything, claiming... Later in the earlier this week, he didn't want to get hurt. Didn't want to be uh, a, a 
on the, uh, the injury report. Didn't want to be on IR. Saw one guy get injured blocking and decided, uh, not yeah. for me, not doing that anymore. Uh, Mike Tomlin has been critical of George Pickens a couple of times this year, but continues to be the coach that plays him and has offered some harsh advice for George Pickens, given all this drama. Quote, keep your damn mouth shut, end quote. Uh, Tomlin said the second-year receiver's outburst was a problem because it's not solution-oriented. And you can see that there are visible frustrations with Tomlin during games. He said at, at the time, we're all frustrated. We've got to manage our frustrations in a professional, mature way. And when it's not done that way, it's not necessarily pushing us towards solutions. He's got to find some. Pickens doesn't seem to be one of those guys. How do you continue to play him if he's not going to block and then on a interception return, jogging the other way? I was going to say run. Jogging the other way away from the opportunity to make a stop. How do you continue to trot that guy out there? Yeah, when he's it's doubling a, down. It's a Mike Tomlin issue now if he continues to play. Um, and, and there's no change, right? If he goes out there and he heeds this warning from Tomlin and he does shut the hell up and he starts to play harder and play better and is quiet about it, then message received. Then Mike Tomlin did his job and got through to him. But if you continue to trot George Pickens out there and we get another play on tape next week of him dogging it, of him uh, not even jogging, jogging with a soft J is how I would describe that play or not blocking for a teammate. I love that. Or any of that. Yogging. Yogging. He was jogging on that play. If he does any of that, it's on Tomlin now. Tomlin said it, and he's very pointed about it. I love Mike Tomlin when he speaks. I love this quote and what he had to say. But if you continue to put George Pickens out there, and this is the effort he's going to display, you're not being part of the solution. And to it's steal, not just to one steal Mike Tomlin's headline. line. You're not part of the solution at that point. And it's not just running his mouth either right it's not just drama off the field this is affecting your team on the field first quarter where in a game where the Colts are tallying 30 consecutive points this is the first quarter where you've got your running back who you don't play enough with a chance to score inside the five and Pickens is just literally standing there not even attempting to help his teammates score a touchdown it's nuts crazy quote from Tomlin, when you're winning and doing your jobs, a lot of the attention is on things such as that. When you're not doing your job and losing, you better keep your damn mouth shut and understand that that tracks a certain type of attention as well. And usually that's vulture-like attention. This doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Especially when, on a Wednesday, after all this chatter, Jalen Warren's like, yeah, I would block for him. It's not going well in the locker room either. And this doesn't feel like a Tomlin saga at all. It's a weird vibe. This comes on the same week on a Monday uh, following um, Peter King's, you know, subtle, re subtle reference. Toastier, I think, is the yeah. words he used for Mike yeah. Tomlin. But just what he's hearing. But he's not putting that in in his column. Well, if you want to, without hearing that. Let's go back to our previous discussion about people paying exorbitant prices for tickets. And how I think that's starting to slow down. I think people are not willing to pay certain prices anymore, and it's showing in attendance. You really want to hurt the product, both from a viewership standpoint 
and people going to the game standpoint, get more George Pickens effort out there. Get more of that. Luckily for the NFL, he is the exception and not the rule. Because yes. in the NBA, it became the rule. What George Pickens is doing, I'm not going to give it my all in some regular season game where I could get rolled up on. That's become the gentleman's agreement across the NBA. Hey, we're going to have load management. You're right. I'm not going to play hard defense on you. I'm not going to play physical. Not on a Tuesday night in December. I'll do it in the playoffs. Why do we tune in in the playoffs? Hutton and I do it every year. We tune in for playoff games. Why? Because they play their ass off in the playoffs. Cranking it up. That's why. They crank it up to 11, and they're playing as hard as they possibly can while they're on the floor. The benefit of football is you have so few games that every time I turn on the TV, I'm watching a product that I feel like everybody is busting their ass all at once. If you get more George Pickens-type players, and you see people giving that half-assed effort, people aren't going to watch. It really is that simple. If you turn on an NBA game now versus 25 years ago, you're seeing a very different product. And you know it. Even if you're an NBA fan, you know it's different. You know it looks different. You know the pace of the game is different. Everything has changed with it. If that happens to the NFL, that, that's going to be a problem for them. And they're not anywhere near that. The fact this is a story right now with Pickens and Tomlin shows you that this is not common across the league. Yeah. But you don't want to see any more of that. Yeah, but the it's... Most most of the time, it's common with the losing teams, right? That's when it really garners the attention, especially if the losing team happens to be Pittsburgh or Green Bay or New England or Dallas. You know, one of one of the teams that uh, Buffalo, one of the teams where news is going to travel because the fan bases are everywhere, Philly. But it's it's even more impactful given the fact that Tomlin's never had a losing season. They're sitting right now at 7-7. Seven and seven, And they're finishing over a stretch where they're about to host Cincinnati. They're also clawing for uh, playoff contention. Meanwhile, Pittsburgh's falling out of it. Yep. And it's hurting the culture more than, oh, you know, that's just who Antonio Brown is. Antonio Brown's going... and he, He's an all-pro. He's all all-decade team. He's helping Mike Tomlin not have a losing season. Meanwhile, Pickens is doing the opposite. And I, I, I mean, this is, with or without him, this is an offense that's averaging 15 or 16 points per game. It's and not like he's that impactful. It's also what Pickens said about it that makes right. it so much worse, no, right? No, it's what he did. It's not what, what he, he did that's awful, but also when he comes back and explains it by talking about injury and how it happens on that play, you know, if he would have come back and was asked about his effort on that and said, it's atrocious. I don't know what I was thinking there. I don't know what I was doing. It's unacceptable, and I'm going to be better moving forward. We probably move forward quicker. But And Mike Tomlin's I mean, not coming back and telling me and shut up. he's saying, like, I, I don't want to be Tank Dell. It was a similar type yeah. play. But it wasn't just that one play. And this is also coming from the same guy who, uh, earlier, when after a win over the Titans, is saying he's sending out a message, feed me. He wants the football. Doesn't want to block for a teammate, though. That, again, it's just... Uh, and, and even at the goal line with a chance to score that that is that's what's wrong with the Pittsburgh Steelers first yeah. quarter you've got a guy blocking for your running back downfield at the goal line who is standing there in front of a defender acting like it's uh, a, the pro bowl the pro bowl on the edge the football going the opposite direction instead the football's coming right at him and you know it's non-contact it's like a practice it's, it's also, an OTA. It, it is, 
it's a cancer that spreads quickly. Yes, it is. That's what I would caution with Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh organization. As they start their third quarterback. You allow one guy like that in your organization that's not there for his teammates, that's not giving his all on every play, and you and he, when he sees it on film and is called out for it, his response is to talk about watching a guy get injured and how he doesn't want to be that guy. That is a cancer that spreads quickly. So beware. The message from Dabo Sweeney is it's all for one, one for all. You commit to Clemson verbally, no more visits. We're your university. We're your program. You're transferring? Well, you're going to have a hard practice. That former Clemson player, uh, Terry Kennard, um, he's claiming on a Facebook post that Dabo Sweeney was mistreating his, his son, Jaden, in practice. Um, he's a safety for Clemson. He's planning on transferring. And, Chad, he's participating. He's practicing for the Gator Bowl. He's going to apparently transfer after the bowl season. That's through on three. Yeah, and apparently he told the coach he's doing that. Yes. And that's when this started. Yes. Uh, so, the claim is that the... Well, the, the mistreatment happened during practice recently, and he claims that his son's decision to leave uh, led Dabo to uh, mistreat him during practice. The quote For here, two straight days. Yes. Uh, Sweeney was not having it. He made Jaden's last two practices the worst experience of the entirety of the time he was there. He purposely belittled Jaden, insulted him, and called him names. This two-day public onslaught went far beyond anything resembling any kind of appropriate coach-to-athlete exchange. Coaches can use tough tactic tactics when trying to get the best out of a player. This was definitely not that. It became obvious. Per, it became obviously personal, and it was obviously overkill. And went on to say that there were teammates that witnessed all of this as well. And he, it, but none of those, none of those teammates have spoken out yet. He's, and right. he says uh, that's right. And he says there, a man's true character is shown and will come out during the times of forced change. He's referencing Dabo there, who, of course, puts forward a way different uh, perception of this type of coach. But there's no doubt, Chad, that uh, he takes exception to those who don't want any part of his program. And, and, and he, he takes it as a slight if you even think about another program after committing. Not just committing in recruitment, but what do you make of... Uh, isn't it odd, though, if you're telling the coach you plan on transferring that you're just going to continue out the, the bowl season? Yeah, so I've got big thoughts on this, okay? So Jaden is on the scout team, right? His dad even says uh, it appears as though our son Jaden, a scout team player who had yet to get any real opportunities to perform on the football field, had to bear the brunt of Sweeney's frustrations. This maybe is one of the first times that I finally understand why Dabo can get away with demanding players not visit other schools when he gets them to commit. I think the rest of the team loved this. I, I think this is, this is part of his game. When, what was it, Tyler and Spartanburg, the guy who called in, that got him all fired up and Clemson had, hadn't lost a game since that call, asked why he makes all the money. Dabo Sweeney is the ultimate, it is us or you. You're either in here or you're out. And if you're out, you're way out. And I'm going to let everybody know how far out of this circle you are. He's that type of guy. Now, I think it's over-the-top 
to berate some kid who's we, not even contributing to you in the first place. And we don't know what he said. I would also say this. If you go to the coach and say, it's my plan to enter the transfer portal, right? my response as the coach to a scout team player is, hey, man, best of luck to you. right? We'll, we'll help you in any way that, that we can. Um, your dad was a football player here. You, know, you can come back whenever you want. But I'm not going to lose any sleep over that in today's era of the transfer portal, right? It's admirable this kid said, I want to finish out my commitment to the team and play in this bowl game and see it through to the end as a practice squad player. But if I'm his parent or if I'm Dabo Sweeney, my advice to him would be, if you're leaving, then leave. It's no point in you going out there and practicing with us because you're not with us. This is the team that's going to go play in this Gator Bowl. I want to practice with them. If you're leaving the program, leave. Because when you stay, it leads to an awkward situation like this where you're basically and, being made fun of as an example of everyone that's not with the Clemson program in front of the, the rest of the players that are playing. And uh, we also, like, be specific on what... Yeah, what the what, abuse was. What the ridicule came down to with all this. Armando Salguero joins us. The top NFL headlines across the league. He's got them next. Hi, Mike with Hunter Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Starting January 3rd, the only place to catch Outkick's original content, it's on our website, outkick.com. Click the watch tab. We live on the site. We had to catch up on YouTube post-show, but for all of our live unfiltered content, head over to outkick.com slash watch. That's outkick.com slash watch. Starts January 3rd. Armando Salguero joins us, covers the NFL for Outkick.com. You can catch all of his great work there. Armando, good to see you. Happy holidays. Feliz Navidad. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Uh, yeah, that's that's Spanish, guys, by the way. Yeah, I, mean, just... uh, I took Latin in high school, believe it or not. They actually allowed me to take a dead language. I should have taken Spanish. Someone should have talked some sense into me, but I took Latin instead because I thought I was going to be a doctor at the time. Now, that's comical, yeah. Armando, that I thought I was going to be a doctor at one point in life. It's also comical that you chose Latin over the more popular Swahili. <laughs> yeah, we had... We had, didn't go to North Carolina. Uh, uh, it was a pu public school kid here. We had three options, Spanish, German, or Latin. And I chose Latin. Should have... It should have taken Spanish. I have no, a feeling no your, doubt about a it. girlfriend at the time was taking Latin. No, I just, oh. I, I honestly thought that I was going to be an orthopedic surgeon at the time. And it, the Latin is a good base knowledge to know for medical terms. So I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to take Latin and I'm going to be a doctor. And then I had one semester, uh, I think one uh, organic chemistry class was one of them early on. I said, you know what? I'm going to get into sports broadcasting. You, you were instead. great in spelling bees though. Uh, geography bee. Oh, geography bee. I was better so at geography than spelling. Either. Yeah. What's going to help Pittsburgh's locker room or uh, the Eagles' locker room at this point, Armando? There's a lot of uh, chatter that we don't normally hear from those organizations this time of year. Yeah, and uh, the fact that we don't normally hear it is, in, in Pittsburgh anyway, a testament to Mike Tomlin. The fact that we're hearing it now is driving Mike Tomlin crazy because he hates that. You have to understand, this is a coach who, who had Antonio Brown on the roster for eight years. And we didn't know 
Antonio Brown was a jerk. You're right. Until like year eight. <laughs> it was like they kept can you imagine That's impressive. how much garbage and, and stuff they kept under wraps yeah, he- for year after year after year? And here we are in year, what is it, two of George Pickens? Is it year two? Or it year, is year, yeah. year two. And already he has out garbaged Antonio Brown in public. It's it's stunning. Uh, the fact also stunning is the fact that George Pickens declines to block. Yes. Doesn't want to block for a teammate at the goal line. Tells reporters that the reason for it is that I don't want to get injured. Tells reporters also that they are not able to judge him because they're reporters and they've never played in the NFL. Uh, and no one who has ever not played in the NFL can judge him. And the thing that Mike Tomlin is really focused in on is the fact that it got out. So he has this emergency press conference to talk about how we have to leave the process in-house, do this in-house so it doesn't get out. And here's my message to Mike Tomlin. Your problem isn't that it got out. Your problem is that your star wide receiver didn't want to block for one of his teammates at the goal line for fear of getting hurt. That's the problem. Well, I mean, also, he's still on the roster. Like, that type of effort normally gets you booted. Uh, not, Not from the superstars, but, I mean, George Pickens would be picked up, but... To me, I mean, this is an offense that's averaging 15 or 16 points per game. You've got Tyler Boyd, who went to Pittsburgh, who's playing for Cincinnati, who they played this week in Pittsburgh, saying, quote, uh, it just shows the lack of camaraderie that's over there. I really can't talk for anybody, but like when things ain't going well, you still got to perform at a high level and do what you can to help your team. He's speaking about Steelers wide receiver George Pickett. Even the teams they're playing are willing to say something. That... That's the unusual part is that Tomlin has this going on and this isn't the first time he's had to speak on behalf of something that George Pickens has said or done. Yeah, so I wouldn't get rid of George Pickens. I, I, I mean, general manager Mondo would not, you know, would not cut George Pickens because the assumption is that George Pickens is going to age and in the next couple of years like we all do. And during that time, he will mature. He will get he because he's obviously immature now, right? Right. He's either that or just dumb. But I'm going with immature. And so I'm hoping and the Steelers should hope that wisdom will somehow come upon him and he will mature and he will start to see things differently and will understand that's not how you act as a professional I, on the field. And, and You've got to be different. I, and I totally hope that that happens for him. But he, it's the same guy that last year uh, in DK Metcalf style is uh, blasting the corner on a run play on the opposite side of the field when he's not expecting you know the, the stock block. 
Um, and it, th those clips are going across social media, and he's getting praised for you know the mentality. Of, well, that's of course he's a Pittsburgh Steeler. And then I, what I saw, and it, there was an interception return where he's jogging the other way. As Chad says, he's jogging. He couldn't even say he was with the the, the hard J. He wasn't not jogging, but jogging. Yeah, that to me just sends a signal that he doesn't want to be there. I wouldn't be able to put up with it. And even Jalen Warren has said he would block for George Pickens. Yeah. Look, I'm not sure it's a, I don't want to be in Pittsburgh type of thing because did he not want to be in Georgia? Because I remember there was a moment where I forget the opponent, but he's on the sideline. The opposing offense is on the field. One of the opposing ball carriers falls into the Georgia sideline and he takes his water bottle that he's yep. holding yeah. and he sprays the opposing player, which again, either immature or, or dumb. You, those are your choices. There is no C. Um, and again, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with immature. <laughs> I'm just going to go with immature. Yeah, that's uh, that's got to be Pittsburgh's hope at this point that he can grow out of it for sure. Something's got to give Armando when the Cowboys play the Dolphins. Cowboys have been bad on the road, and the Dolphins don't beat good teams. They feast on bad teams across the league. What do you think of this matchup and everything Mike McDaniel has been saying leading into this game? The beauty of Mike McDaniel is he speaks truth to his own power. He's the guy in charge and he's speaking truth to himself. And the, the, the best truth that he spoke this week is when he said something akin to uh, these are two teams that internally have something to prove to themselves. Understand what he just said. It wasn't, we have something to prove meaning to you people, meaning to the audience, the folks in the stands, the media. No, we have to prove it to us, which suggests that us has a question about us. And so uh, that that is very insightful in a Mike McDaniel sort of way. And it applies to his team because of what you said. They haven't beaten a good team. Uh, they haven't been very physical with physical teams. And the Dallas Cowboys, it applies to because they go on the road and become the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. And so it's just bad on both sides. Something is going to give. It's the uh, it's it's the immovable. It's the movable object against the resistible force. Let's put it that way. Do you trust the Rams or the Seahawks more in the NFC to make the postseason right now? The Rams would be in. They play this evening. Uh, the Seattle's hitting the road. They'll be here in Nashville on Sunday. And currently, uh, they're both knotted at 500. I'm mad at the Seahawks. I'm really mad at the Seahawks. They uh, they entertained me the other night. It was good. Drew Locke, very entertaining. 92-yard touchdown drive at the last minute against a 10-3 and Philadelphia yeah. Eagles team that he handed them their fourth loss and his reward. At, by the way, afterward, great interview with yeah. Lisa Salter um, talking about it's been a long time. I didn't know if I had it anymore. This feels so good. 
everybody's been so great. Very, very heart wrenching. Very, very endearing. The reward is your bench, Drew Locke. Geno Smith is back, and he's not Wally Pip. And so I don't like that. I, 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 I ride with Drew Locke. That's the guy uh, that I go with. But the Seahawks have decided Geno Smith is better than the guy that took us ninety-two yards. Chad and I referenced it yesterday. We we loved your piece on uh, what is to come or likely to come based on what you're hearing for Black Monday for NFL coaches. The un- something is going to happen in New England. The question is, where does that change occur? Is it is it with general manager status for Belichick? Is it trade? Is it you're gone? Are you back? But are, are there cer- certain circumstances for another year? When you were talking around the league and you hear things, you 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 analyze things on your own. What do you? Which way do you think ultimately you would lean on what Robert Kraft wants to do after the season concludes? Right. So, look, I don't think Bill Belichick is going to be there after the season. Wow, big revelation right there. But it is an issue that you have to go through the exercise because what if Robert Kraft tells Bill Belichick, Bill, you're – you're an elite coach. You've been that forever. You're just a sucky general manager. Would you mind not being the general manager anymore? And that is a post that he has had for, you know, close to two decades. Um, I don't know that Bill Belichick would go, okay. <laughs> I don't think he would. I think he would prefer not to do that. And so that has to happen as far as a conversation is concerned. And that is the only way, that's the only reason you can't say Bill Belichick won't be back. Because what if he says, okay, and then he's back. And, you know, we all look like foofs. Um, The building, uh, the building, I think it's not a consensus yet, but the building thinking is that Bill Belichick will walk away from the New England Patriots. That's and that the New England Patriots will let him walk away. They won't fire him. He'll walk away. And the way that works is I am stepping away. I'm it's I've done my time here in New England. And thank you very much. And the Patriots will go, Bill, thank you very much for for what you've done. We love you. Good you know, have good luck. The negotiation there is the Patriots don't trade or don't ask for Bill Belichick. um, You know, the next team that whatever team Bill Belichick coaches next trades for him. And Bill Belichick obviously doesn't hold the New England Patriots to have to pay him, you know, the extra year of his contract. So the, 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 you would wait for, the, the idea is they wait for a team to trade for the rights to hire him, right? No. No, they, they wouldn't They, they wouldn't basically have to. just walk away from each other. Uh, that is the building sentiment. Okay. That's interesting. That, look, we're, gonna, we're not going to hold you up to the next team for a draft pick. You don't hold us up for your $18 million or whatever you're making gotcha. next year. Armando Salguero, he brings it. 
Uh, just real quick, we've got 30 seconds. Baltimore or San Francisco this week? And what message would it send if the Ravens win that game? Uh, it would send that they're, you know, the Super Bowl favorites, but I don't think that's going to happen. I, uh, somebody's got to convince me that Brock Purdy's not the MVP and that all the guys around him are MVP junior. Yeah, they split the award like they did with uh, Manning and, and, uh, and Steve McNair. McNair. Yeah, 2002, Give it to two, I think. Two guys with the same team, that would be something. Yep. McCaffrey and Purdy. Armando, you're the man. Feliz Navidad. That's Spanish. Wow, that's Spanish. I learned it in the in the course of this segment. I just learned Spanish. <laughs> How do you Spanish. say Merry Christmas in Latin? Uh, Thank you, gentlemen. Can't say that I remember. Okay. Didn't become a doctor, Hutton. Shocking. Armando's the best. We always like to say, if you can't get along with Armando Salguero, that's a, that's a you problem. He's Super awesome. nice guy. Yes. Coming up, one big thing on every NFL game. Some really good matchups. Some really bad ones as well. We'll tell you about all of them. Over the course of like a four-day span. It's next. You're on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton with our rolls on. Coming up in 20 minutes or so, Albert Hainsworth will join us in studio. Chad, explain the uh, exercise. So Rashard Mendenhall said that he is tired of hearing from average white guys on football and that he is better than the white goat and that he wants to see all black guys versus all white guys in the Pro Bowl so once and for all um, black guys could shut up the white guys forever and everybody could see how much better one race is over the other at football. So... We took his challenge literally, and we said, let's look at it. Let's divide the rosters up. Let's look at the top 100 players in the NFL. Let's look at pro bowlers and see what an all-white versus all-black pro bowl would look like. And we've invited our good buddy Albert Hainsworth in, who is never short on opinion, and uh, will be great, funny, and he's going to give us his honest opinion on all of it. 2007, he would be on this team. And we're going to dissect what both rosters will look like. Yeah. Having having taken a quick peek at the rosters, um, doesn't look good for the white team. That's a, well, that's we a preview. That. We knew that from preview of our our segment coming up. Uh, we you may have to put a slot receiver in at corner just to get by as a starter on on the white team. So that could pose an issue against some of the receivers they could see in minus that game. Minus twenty nine and a half, Chad. Twenty nine and a half. I, I said it's probably going to be in between minus thirty to minus fifteen would be the range of that game if it took place. Some games. We'll have fun with it. Are not as lopsided, for sure. It's uh, time for Week 16, one big thing on every NFL game. Plenty of playoff scenarios, uh, plus playoff positioning this week. 11-3 against 11-3. 10-4 against 10-4. You have a 9-win team against an 8-win team. 7-7 matchups. And you have the NFL takeover of Christmas Day. 7-7 matchup. Tonight, Thursday Night Football, Los Angeles, the Rams hosting the New Orleans Saints. Los Angeles, Chad, they were 3-6 and six at the bye, and they have now gone 4-1 since, and the loss was in overtime to Baltimore. Matthew Stafford has thrown 12 touchdowns and one interception over his last four games. The Rams won three of them. Of course, the one loss, Baltimore. Jimmy Graham, six catches this season. Four of them are for touchdowns, and the Saints the have been... Man. Uh, excellent 
at both taking the ball away and defending passes. They're at the top of the league there. Saturday games this week. Bengals hit the road to take on Pittsburgh. Three weeks ago, Steelers were 7-4. and four. They were battling Baltimore for the AFC North. And you were looking ahead to the schedule thinking, well, they're certainly in the mix because the next three opponents were below 500. But then they lost to the Cardinals, the Patriots, and the Colts. And now, well, now they finished the season against Cincinnati, Seattle, and Baltimore with Mason Rudolph now taking the starting job at quarterback. Random note here, the Bengals, their defense, they forced a league-high nine turnovers inside their own 25-yard line. Bills, they've been winning. Eight and six now. They're in Los Angeles Saturday. Saturday evening. Commercial free fourth quarter. Maybe it's the mercy rule. I can see those jokes right now. Running clock. Based on, this, based on the score, yeah. Uh, maybe not. We'll see. Eight and six, though, against five and nine. The Bills, they lead the league in both first down uh, gains per, per game. They average 22 of those, nearly 23. And third down conversion percentage nearly 50%. And against the Broncos, for an example of the Chargers, 0-12 on third down. And they're 29th in converting on third and short. Must win for the Bills. And the have-nots, absolutely. Sunday, Christmas Eve, Colts and Falcons. The Colts are right in the playoff hunt despite playing their backup quarterback the majority of the season and having their defense play more snaps than any group across the NFL this year. Arthur Smith on the opposite sideline is going to have to answer for losses to the 1-8 Cardinals at the time and the 1-12 Panthers last week. But losing is what Atlanta's used to. The Falcons, they're headed for their sixth straight losing season. They've only had two winning seasons over the last 11 years, and Matt Ryan was the quarterback for eight of those 11 seasons. And while the Atlanta offense has been bad, the defense is much improved, just to give them some credit, and Ryan Nielsen, their new defensive coordinator. Atlanta tied with Baltimore for the fewest red zone touchdowns allowed. Packers hit the road. They're taking on Carolina. It's coming off a win. The Panthers, they've scored under 20 points in their last eight games. That's a franchise record that ties the Giants for the longest streak this year uh, for points below 20. Prior to the season, Matt LaFleur, he was 16-0 in the month of December. He's 1-2 this month so far. Not good. It's been rough. Great stat from our, our friend of the show, Rob Domofsky. Not only did the Packers have the youngest roster in the league to start the season, they are especially green at the skill positions. 25-year-old quarterback Jordan Love has 25 touchdown passes. 24 have been to players with two or fewer years of NFL experience. Wow. How do you pull that? I have no idea. Domofsky's one of the best. Carolina's two wins. They've been on walk-off field goals. They have not led a single time in the fourth quarter of this season. <laughs> Until the very end. Until the very end. The last the time second. expires. Wow. Texans are hosting the Browns, coming off a win with their backup, who is back in the lineup, expected to be this week, Case Keenum. Expected to start for C.J. Stroud, who remains in concussion protocol. Three weeks before the playoffs, Kevin Stefanski headed towards Coach of the Year. He has the Browns at 9-5, with victories starting four different quarterbacks this year. Cleveland, 5-0 and in games decided by three or fewer points. And the Browns are the only team this year to win two games after trailing by double digits in the fourth quarter. And the key in that, their defense leads the NFL enforcing 55 three and outs. 
Vikings are hosting the 10 and 4 Detroit Lions. Detroit's on the road. Good thing because all their fans got invoices in the mail this week for season tickets for next year. They're going to be pumped up about those, those case, new prices. 160% increase. The Lions averaged the third most offensive points per game under Brian Flores for the Vikings, new defensive coordinator this, this season. He's sent five or more pass rushers 46% of the time against opposing quarterbacks. The league average is 26%. They blitz 46% of the time. Detroit, they have a difference maker in Jameer Gibbs. Averages nearly six yards per carry. He had 100 yards on 11 carries Saturday. And Detroit, well, they need to use him more. He has one 30-yard run in three straight games. Jets and Commanders, Chad. Four and ten against five and nine. Get excited. One big thing on every NFL game counts for the ones that suck too. The Jets have now missed the playoffs 13 consecutive seasons. That's the longest streak in North American professional sports. Way to go. It's you much, it. much to do it, about Jets. Aaron Rodgers, but also this. Uh, in 14 first quarters this season, the Jets have more safeties than they do touchdowns. The defense has two safeties. They have one offensive touchdown in the first quarter this season. This is painful to hear. Yeah. These stats are painful when you say them out loud. The Commanders have allowed that 43 bad. touchdowns this year. That's seven more than they allowed all of last season. Titans and Seahawks. Titans are 5-9. and nine. Ryan Tannehill is back in as the starter for the Titans, even though they're saying that they don't know yet. It's Tannehill if Levis can't go. He's got an ankle injury. It's like we're going to see Ryan Tannehill. Geno Smith is back in for the Seahawks, who won a big game over Philly Monday night. Seattle, though, regularly, they are among the most penalized team in the NFL under Pete Carroll. And right now, they lead the NFL with 882 penalty yards assessed this season. A lot of them on offense, not defense. Titans defense has allowed the opposing offense to reach the low red zone 15 times over the last three weeks. They've allowed only three touchdowns in those trips inside the deep red zone. Late afternoon matchups. Bucks hosting the Jacksonville Jaguars, who they were 8-3. Now they're 8-6, and six, and they're regressing on offense. Each passing week looks worse and worse. Trevor Lawrence, not healthy. He needs to rest. Jacksonville, he's... Well, they were a clear playoff contender. Now it's... Are they going to win the AFC South? Three-way tie atop that division. It is. One of the Jaguars' best weapons is their punter. That's saying something because they or they put up points. They've been a good team. Exactly 50% of Logan Cook's 56 punts have put their opponent within 20 yards of their own end zone. That is accurate. Also accurate has been Baker Mayfield. He became the first visiting quarterback to put up a perfect 158.3 passer rating at Lambeau Field. Why do we have a 158.3 passer rating? Why can't we it just have like an even a number? nice round number. You know, like 100, 150, or 200 could be the perfect passer rating. Yeah. 158.3 is an odd one to land on. It I'm is. with you. Bears are hosting the Cardinals. You know, late high afternoon is 3.14, so that's also well, odd. Yeah, but that's... Couldn't just make it a... But at least they can be explained. True. I don't look at the I learned that quarterback in rating in high school. You know, yeah. pie that's never ending. Uh, Matt Eberflus, coaching for his job. And it's not just the, you know, normally it's the quarterback that saves these coaching jobs. It's the pass rusher in this case, if Eberflus keeps his job. The Bears traded for Montez Sweat, and here's the impact. They have 14 takeaways since week 11. 
including 12 interceptions. They had six interceptions entering week 11. They have 14 since then when they acquired him. That's nuts. Dolphins and Cowboys. This is one of the games of the week. 10-4 and four against 10-4. and four. Dallas 3-4 and four on the road. They are 15-0 in their last 15 games at Jerry's World in Arlington. Uh, of course, Sunday they'll be in Miami. Dallas's defense, they have seven touchdowns this season. And that, I mean, that's the solid Cowboys defense. Don't overlook Miami's defense. They've allowed 15 points per game on average since week nine. They're also doing good work. But Chad, you mentioned it with Armando against bad teams. Something's got to give. Dolphins need to beat a good team. Cowboys need to play well on the road. Some, one, one of the two will happen uh, on Sunday. Sunday night football is Patriots and Broncos. Broncos were crushed last week against Detroit. They forced fifth, uh, 17 fumbles combined on defense, and they have recovered 13 of them. That's the most in the NFL. Christmas Day, Chiefs hosting the Raiders. Counting last week's win over the Patriots, the Chiefs' last four games are against backup quarterbacks. That's bad news for Aiden O'Connell. The Chiefs bring down the opposing quarterback on nearly 9% of dropbacks. That's tied with the Dolphins for the best in the league on the percentage. Eagles hosting the Giants. They can get back on track. They're 10-4. and four. They should pick up win 11 here against the 5-9 and nine New York Giants. New York leads the NFL in most punts. Not just the Giants. New York. The Giants and Jets have punted the ball 81 times <laughs> in 14 games. Monday night football. Got 49ers and Ravens. Two MVP favorites. They meet and both meet at a, a, against a high-level defense. And both are leading their teams. Baltimore has led in the final two minutes of every game this season. And that's by and large because they're putting games away with their run. Uh, they average 164 yards per game. They lost J.K. Dobbins. Bad news is they also lost Keaton Mitchell this past week. He's done for the year. As for San Francisco, if not for meaningless uh, that meaningless last-second field goal in Week 2 by L.A. and yeah. McVay, they would have won all 11 games by double digits. Crazy. And would they got have, blown out should also. Have won, should have won by 10. Yeah. Only won that game by 7. Yeah, they did. You're right. Uh, lost in the 49ers six-game win streak. They've committed only three turnovers. Their opponents have turned the ball over against them 12 times in that win streak. San Francisco, plus 191 in point differential. That's 24 more than the Cowboys, Chad. They rank second in the league in that category. That's one big thing on every NFL game. Two huge AFC versus NFC games. Dolphins, Cowboys, and that one right there. 49ers, Ravens. Uh, terrific games with those two. Late window on Sunday, late afternoon window, and then the Christmas night finale. Yes. And, and think about the impact of the road team winning each game. Dallas on the road would send a statement because that quiets down some of that chatter. It would increase the talk about Miami not beating good opponents. And then if Baltimore goes on the road against San Francisco, I mean, they're already talking about feeling, they feel slighted that they're the underdog. I mean, I would have them as the underdog too against San Fran right now. But if they go on the road and win that game, that sends a statement that there's a new favorite headed into the month of January. Coming up, Albert Hainsworth joins us in studio on Hot Mike.